Hello, I'm Joe. I'm John. And I'm Lubna, and this is an obit. Though produced by KBR, this podcast is for anyone and everyone inside or outside our business. In each new episode, we're going to be talking about what's happening in the world and in our various industries, covering everything from science, technology, and engineering to sustainability, inclusion and diversity, and much more. But the main goal is to connect with you and to stay in each other's web orbit. We're going to be talking about a lot of cool and interesting stuff on the podcast, but the thing we want to focus on most is people. And we do that in a couple of different ways on the show. One of the ways we like to do that is to highlight one of our amazing colleagues to learn about who they are, what they do, and what makes them tick in a segment we call Connections. Another way is through a segment we like to call Triple P, where we talk about people, their passion, and how they're turning it into progress, not just at KBR, but in our related industries and the world at large. It was about this time in 2019 that KBR unveiled its then new brand to the world a brand that better reflects its position as an agile, future-forward and sustainable provider of science, technology and engineering solutions. Solutions that really are changing the world. For our connection segment in these first few episodes, we thought we'd take the opportunity to introduce you to our team so you can get to know us, your hosts. Welcome to our first connection section of our very first podcast. We thought as Libna was the one that did the interviews that we would like to then get to know Libna herself. So Libna, can you tell us where you're from? Thank you, Jo. Um, I'm from a state called West Bengal in India. And I've been born and raised and I studied and initially worked in the capital, Calcutta. Cool. And are you there at the moment? Yes, I am here. And this is also where um, I actually began my journalistic career. I've done my master's in journalism and mass communication from the University of Calcutta. Oh, that's awesome. So what did your previous job entail? What kind of things did you do as a journalist? So um, I've been a lifestyle magazine editor for the last 11 years. um, And that's been with um, media houses like The Telegraph and Hindustan Times. While I edited and headed headed the production of uh, their weekly Sunday lifestyle magazines, Graffiti and Brunch, um, I also got an opportunity to interview celebrity chefs. What? Um, That's amazing. So I met. So cool. <laughs> hey, <laughs> thanks. So, thanks. I'd like to share a little about uh, them as well. So I met Nigella Lawson. I mean, sorry, I spoke to Nigella yes, Lawson please. for an interview. I love her. And. And then um, I took Heston um, out to do vegetable shopping in Mumbai. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> had breakfast with Marco Pierre White. Um, yes. The, the original bad boy chef. Did he like, did he criticize the food at the restaurant? Was well, it up he to was his standard? actually very happy uh, with <laughs> the dosa and masala chai, the masala tea. So he he was kind. I was scared, but he was kind. Good. Um, <laughs> Met his expectation. <laughs> and then um, I've also partied with author Jeffrey Archer at a literature festival here. And uh, James Marsden, the American actor, he whipped up, whipped up a mocktail for me over an interview. 
You've lived Gosh. a much more interesting life than I have. Yeah. Right so you left that. <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> you want to come to KBR? <laughs> For KBR. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so basically, I think um, cliche as it might sound, I just went with the flow when the offer came my way. And I made this transition. I had been meaning to move to uh, marketing and communications for a bit. But um, to be honest, I did not. Um, I was not finding the kind of uh, opportunity that would be a be- that mm-hmm. would be an anomaly, but a sh- the shiniest kind of anomaly of them all. So I think KBR became that anomaly for me. That's exciting. How And you started right in the middle of the pandemic correct? Yes, yes. I joined KBR in March this year, in fact. Um, but I have to You're say... You're the newbie. Sorry? You're the newbie yes, of the group. Yes, <laughs> But I have to say that the onboarding and the induction and the recruitment um, have been extremely, extremely smooth at KBR. Yeah, that's something that I heard as well, just from us transitioning from out of the office into a working from home environment. And we all left on a Thursday or a Friday thinking, we'll see you in two weeks. This won't be a big deal. And 18 months later, we're all kicking ourselves. But the the one thing that was always said was that transition to going on to Teams and to just having to communicate through um, calls and emails all of the time was, was seamless. So our IT, IT yeah, team they nailed it all job. over the world. Uh, as far as joining a new company, a new company, a new culture, how how do you feel like that has gone? You know, the I, yeah, the, all the technical aspects of it went smoothly. How has, you know, being inducted into this new company culture, how has that been for you? I think um, that was also um, very enlightening, if I may use the word, uh, because the moment I entered the KBR office in Gurgaon, Honestly, the first thing that I noticed was the little zero harm, um, you know, uh, sticker or the poster. And in fact, that became my very first uh, Instagram story. And that was how um, I got initiated, um, so to speak, into the culture of the organization that puts the safety of its employees at the very forefront, uh, which is also something, um, honestly, I, I, I hadn't experienced before. So I think, and that reflects in everything, like whether you are interacting with your colleagues or um, you're attending meetings, you know, the zero harm moment that uh, that precedes every interaction. So I think that that was something new um, and very useful that I got introduced to uh, the moment I joined KBR. Yeah, so you've actually been able to go into the office and you've met you've met your colleagues face to face. Yes, well, not us obviously, <laughs> but the, the people you work with. <laughs> yes, yes, I've I've been uh, a little lucky there that uh, for about a few weeks I think we were going into work like twice a week and then that became like once a week. But but I did meet with them briefly and all of you through Teams and. That's how we are today. Happy faces yeah. and smiling and chatting. Yeah. and On three different continents. Yes. Exactly. 
And even though you can't see it, Livna has a zero harm background on her teams at the moment, That's right. which I think goes to show even through a pandemic and working from home, we're still trying to push that zero harm message 24 seven. Um, I think it's always been important. And as you said, the fact that that's the first thing you noticed walking into an office was how important our safety culture is, goes to show. Um, and that ties in really nicely because your interviews were with two HSC gurus that work for the company. That's right. That's right, Joe. And um, it was such like a pleasure interviewing Ella Studer and Nick Agnosto because um, a, I mean, for Ella, I think she is a lady who is such an achiever in her own field and Nick who's championed the cause of HSE at KBR. I think both of them um, and the way they work together and how uh, the synergies coalesce and come together in sync, it's, I think it's, it's commendable, I think. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, and the way they were talking, I mean, the kind of stuff they were talking about, um, you know, the importance of safety culture at KBR and how, um, how employee well-being um, is put above everything else. I think, I think that is something, uh, you know, that's a great takeaway for not just KBR, but everybody else. Uh, working in these kind of uh, times. Absolutely. Today. Let's listen to the interview now. And now we are going to be moving on to our next segment, which is called Triple P, which stands for People, Passion, Progress. And for the convenience of our listeners, uh, I'd like to share that this segment focuses broadly on KBR's commitment to ESG principles. And we're going to be talking everything from zero harm to community engagement activities like fundraisers, issues related to gender equality and diversity. And for the very first episode of Triple P, we are very, very honored to have with us the lovely Ella Studer and Nick Anagnosto. And I would like to begin by introducing both Nick and Ella to all of you. And we shall begin with a short introduction of Ella Studer. She's the Senior Vice President for U.S. Government Solutions, Readiness and Sustainment Business Unit at KBR. She's held this role since 2017 and manages a project portfolio valued at more than $1 billion that is critical to the United States' national defense. She oversees more than 12,000 people on numerous projects around the world and in the United States. This covers base support infrastructure and engineering services, as well as contingency response operations. Ella has focused KBR's readiness and sustainment solutions business unit on expanding its footprint within the Department of Defense and other federal government agencies. Before joining KBR in 2006, Ella retired after 26 years. In her last position, she served as senior executive service at the Defense Logistics Agency, where she managed over 1,400 personnel at nine field locations worldwide. Students served the U.S. Air Force and the Ohio Air National Guard as an aerospace ground equipment technician. She secured her Master of Science degree in National Resource Strategy from the Industrial College of the Armed Forces National Defense University and holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Management from Malone College. Ella is passionate about supporting local communities and she served for three years on Board of Trustees of the American University of Afghanistan. And uh, we also have with us, we are honored to have with us Nick Anagnosto, Vice President HSSE or Health safety, security, and environment. 
Nick is the vice president for HSSC and KBR and has been with KBR since 2014. He is responsible for delivering the best-in-class HSSE performance throughout KBR's global operations, which includes sustainable technology solutions and government solution businesses and corporate functional groups operating globally. Nick has been successful in personal field implementation of HSE processes on large-scale projects and also excels in managing multiple safety professionals who are responsible for a multitude of projects globally. Prior to joining KBR, Nick was director of HSES ENC Global Operations with Foster Wheeler for three years. He's also worked with Jacobs as regional HSE manager and MW Kellogg as HSE manager. Nick holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Occupational Safety and Health from Murray State University. He's a member of the Health and Safety Council Executive Board, currently serving as the Vice Chairman. He enjoys playing golf, attending live sporting events and traveling with family. Nick also played college football at Murray State University while earning his degree. Such a pleasure to have you both with us. So my first question will roll out to both of you, and I would love to ask um, you about your experience of working with KBR over the years and how things have changed in the Department of Defense for you, Ella, and in HSSE for next. So we'll start with Ella. Sure, great. Th thanks for having me today. Wow, has things really changed in the 15 years that I've been with KBR? When I first joined, uh, we were supporting uh, both Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, you know, the DOD there. And we had, at the height of um, the time that we were working there, we had more than 60,000 employees. And actually, I was brought on board to be the director of HSC. So um, I started my career with KBR then. Um, and I, I'd say to, you know, Nick and, and uh, Stuart have really brought the company along a long way in changing what we do with HSC, which is a good thing because a lot of our contracts now um, require um, that we have minimum standards in uh, HSE. Uh, we beat those standards by a mile, which is great for our employees and for us. Um, and I, I'd say, you know, the thing that we really see different with KBR over the years I've been here is, is that we truly care about our employees. Um, with Stuart and the leadership team, you can see and you can feel the focus that we have for our employees. Um, the Department of Defense, um, you know, things come and things go. We, when in Iraq, I said, you know, we had 60,000 uh, employees plus at the time, we went to zero. And so we as um, a company had to figure out how we're going to gain, you know, projects back and win more work and, and grow. Um, and so then, you know, we had to scale up again when they uh, went, the Department of Defense went back into Iraq and we were there with them, you know, boots on the ground, being able to support them and then also continue to win work over time. So really, it's, uh, I think, being flexible, having uh a company that really cares about its employees, so our employees want to come to work for us in these austere, hard environments, um, and that uh, we, we do everything that we can. So I'd say we really have changed, but we have to be flexible, and we have to um, do what it takes to support the uh, Department of Defense, Department of State around the world, no matter what we do. And um, I, I see that change, that we have that flexibility now, and that we really care about our employees. I think it's the things that I really um, think KBR has changed over time. 
Right, right. Nick, what would you? Well, uh, what I'll would echo. You uh, I'll echo what uh, Ella said. Uh, I mean, you know, to summarize in one word with regards to my experience with uh, KBR, it's uh, probably the best word is gratifying. Uh, you know, uh, when I think back at uh, the launch of Zero Harm, and if you look at it objectively, right, and and I try to personalize any type of thing associated with safety st- statistics as a whole. And when you look at a performance graph that we may put up on a, on a board or on a slide deck or whatever it may be, if we truly and genuinely personalize that performance graph by looking at every plot and picturing every plot as a person, okay? And, and when you genuinely look, look at that and you look at the time of seven years of what we've been able to achieve through the support of our operations people like Ella and, and uh, everybody that has key roles with regards to the authority control of our resources, okay? It's really phenomenal what, what we've been able to achieve. You know, a lot of people don't know the objective data, but it, if I was to tell you that, uh, you know, at one time seven years ago, uh, we would go to work and 50% of the time, we could chalk it up that we would hurt someone serious enough for them to receive treatment beyond first aid. And now we're approaching 90% zero harm days. And when you really truly personalize that and say, you know, what's changed? One is the expectations and the mindset that's really intolerant to incidents, right? Um, uh, You know, and I think that's the biggest change, but as far as experience, it's been fantastic and it's been gratifying. Right. Nice. Nice. And with this, I'll move on um, to um, my next question, which is for Ella. Um, Ella, the global um, geopolitical climate is always in flux and situations and relationships can change drastically in relatively short time, even between allies. So how do situations like that affect priorities for a government solutions provider like KBR? Well, I'd say we're positioned very well because we support a lot of short-term exercises for um, the military uh, in many, many different countries. And what's key is being able to stand up and um, provide support right away. Sometimes we get very little notice. And so as things change around the world, we're one of those kind of companies that uh, the Department of Defense calls upon to be because we can respond. Um, it's not easy all the time. Uh, we might make a couple mistakes. Uh, Nick will not to tell you that sometimes, you know, when you start a new project, it is the hardest um, to keep people safe. It's easier when uh, it's our personnel that we're mobilizing in because they know what we want. But when you're hiring personnel off the street that don't have what you know the background of what we expect them to do from a safety perspective, that's hard. Um, but I think with DOT, DOD, there's some goodness in there sometimes on multiple award contracts. If you're assigned a region and that region isn't where the action is, then you're kind of like, oh man, I wished I had that region. But then, you know, um, if you're the one that's in the region where all the action is, it's great. So we try to be on multiple different contracts. Um, I'd, say, I'd say for us, we're well positioned. We have a great track record, great um, customer relationships that they call upon us and want us. Uh, we did uh, an Operation Warp Speed here in the U.S. started 
we started that. We helped them set up trailers for the trials, different things. When Tyndall Air Force Base a couple years ago was um, devastated by a hurricane, we were on the ground getting um, that um, contract started and getting the base back to where they uh, needed it. So I'd say we're that kind of company. We can step in. And then with everything that's happening with what, all the acquisitions that we've had, we even have a broader capability where we can you know, expand and look at what we do across my brother um, business units and say, okay, you guys do human performance. How can we tap into what you do over there to be able to support something that I have going in my part of the business? So I think it's great that that we have grown the way we have, um, the capabilities that we can bring um, as a company to be able to perform. So I, I think it's wonderful. Right, right. Uh, which brings me to my next question, which is like a, an industry-related question. Um, you know, in the recent years, we have uh, been seeing biggest changes in the government services industry and HSSE. So uh, what, what would you like to say about those kind of changes in the industry as a whole and here i'd like to start with nick uh you know the kind of changes that you sure so uh the biggest change that i've seen in the hsse profession let's say is um you know 20 25 years ago uh there was three uh pillars and they still remain with regards to the reasons why you want a proactive hsse program or culture and they were driven by there's a legal obligation there's a financial obligation, and then there's a moral obligation, okay? So 25 years ago, let's just say they were evenly weighted, okay? A company would look at it, let's just say 33%. It was evenly weighted between the three. Now, as we drive to zero and really try to drive hearts and minds to really get to that zero beyond the legal requirements and the, and the financial requirements, it's really in my opinion, okay, and what I see based on my experience with KBR and also with peers is the moral obligation with regards to uh, getting people's buy-in and, and understanding that you've got a moral obligation to look out for yourself and you've got a moral obligation to look out for others, right? And I would say that's, that outweighs the other two pillars, let's say, or foundations of why companies had aggressive or proactive safety programs. So I would say the hearts and minds transition away from the regulatory and financial reasons for safety is is really the biggest change, okay? And I think that resonates within the KBR zero harm culture. Yeah. Right, right. And Ella, what would you like to add to this? I think everything's getting smarter. Uh, so, so with that becomes the systems are more complex. And so my workforce has to work on all those complex systems. And uh, as an example, you know, we'll go out and do an exercise in, you know, Transylvania and Romania. Well, they want, the troops want internet. Okay, and they want to be able to plug in all their smartphones. Well, an issue is, you know, a lot of younger troops don't understand the difference in voltage, and they'll just plug that smartphone right into what isn't the right voltage, and we're having a fire. So I think there's a lot of education that goes along also with everything becoming smarter, and what does that mean? Uh, you know, having Fitbits, should you have a Fitbit on if you're in a location that you shouldn't be because you can be tracked by that? So there's all kinds of things now that we have to think about as we support different 
operations around the world um, and, you know, keeping up with the technology, uh, you know, workforce. Uh, here in the U.S., I have a lot of maintenance activities. Well, not a lot of people are going to those kind of skill sets. So it's how do I keep them motivated? And they can go down the street and work for a dollar more an hour in a nicer facility um, to work on, you know, things that are, you know, much funner that, you know, some new brand new car or something, you know, and I have to attract them to want to come back and still work on this heavy tank and all these different things that we're doing. And, um, you know, for wages that uh, we, we bid in the contract. So it's very complex um, and we have to keep them motivated and keep them safe. So I think what people tell us is, is they know that KBR cares about them. And I think that is what we have to do no matter what happens with all the different complexities that DOD is throwing upon us out there. So that's what I kind of okay. see changing over the years. Okay. Okay. Um, and Nick, uh, you know, we've seen that changes externally also mean uh, adapting internally. Uh, so in that sense, could you talk about how KBR has evolved since you joined, specifically with regards to the zero harm uh, becoming such an integral part of the KBR culture. Yeah, I think uh, to go back to uh, uh, what I talked about earlier with regards to the evolution between the, the three pillars, but what I really want to focus on is, uh, you know, the changes that happened internally within, within KBR, uh, within HSSE that matched the changes that happened with the entire company, right? Uh, if you look at seven years ago with regards to our portfolio breakdown, uh, well, if we compare our company now to where we were seven years ago, the, the workforce and the portfolio of work is, is drastically different. And, you know, sometimes processes take a little bit longer to adapt to the change of the company. But, you know, there, there's times when we get caught, as me being a traditionalist, with regards to safety and supervisory structure, that sometimes I ask questions during an incident review and I, and I fully need to better understand the structure of that particular project. And what we did about two years ago, we, we adapted and we changed internally to kind of match our company now. Uh, and, and I'll use a prime example of that. Uh, you know, okay. traditionally or historically within our pre-task risk assessment process, it required a supervisor to get with a crew and develop a plan, a risk mitigation plan for a task. Well, about two years ago, we introduced a TSTI 2 process that really drives ownership down to the employee because in Ella's business, in a lot of the space and science business, in a lot of the uh, engineering business on government services, and unlike the old traditional blue collar construction work, there's not the traditional supervisor with eight employees direct supervision. So we've adapted internally and tweaked our processes to really match the current portfolio of work. And I genuinely believe as we continue to mature these processes, we'll continue to evolve and, and we'll continue to get better at the processes. And, and Ella, can, Ella can relate. There's, there's conversations that we have sometimes where we know they are not mature yet. But we do know we're going down the right path because we have changed. We have evolved. We, we, we do not have the traditional eight to one supervisor ratio, supervisor directly on top of work like we did in the past. We depend on people 
We depend on people to make good decisions. We're responsible for training them and putting them in the right position and providing them resources. But at the end of the day, as we continue to evolve, as we continue to shift the professional landscape and the type of work that we do, we know we're going to have to depend on people, okay? And we've got to put the resources and the tools in place. Right. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And also, um, during the pandemic, uh, we saw that KPR and other companies were forced to look inward and think about how they do businesses. What are some of the things, the practices or processes, um, you know, for example, that businesses have adopted and that are here to stay and for this I would like to ask uh, you Ella to uh, you know shed some light on this. Sure I mean we're still dealing with it. Uh, I have projects where I have not been able to um, get the employees back home on their uh, uh, R&Rs for uh, more than almost two years because some of them were getting ready to go on R&R &R and and the pandemic hit and we can't get them there. So, you know, we've had to think about not only the work life, but the, their home life. I have a lot of employees that live in, um, you know, they get bus to work, you know, they, yes. they live in apartment buildings where there's several thousand people. Well, we had to get them to, in, to embrace taking what we're talking about at work to their home environment where they're living temporarily. Um, and, you know, because they might be with people that aren't from KBR. In fact, that's yes. most, like in Bahrain, they, they live in these, you know, high-rise apartment buildings. And so we did competitions about how they could, you know, think about how they could be safer at home with, you know, making sure that they're, you know, sanitizing at home, that they're social distancing as much as possible, that they're also wearing their masks. So we had little competitions like that, got the employees involved in that. And we're going to continue to do that. Um, we have situations where um, we hire a lot of local nationals to, to work as part right. of the country agreements between us and U United States government and that country. And they were locked out of the, the um, facility. So we had to figure out, well, how are we going to work day to day and still support the mission. So we had to work with the clients and customers to come up with limited service plans because when you're missing 1,037 employees or whatever the number is at whatever the location, you have to do things uh, differently. And we have to still okay. keep them safe. I mean, safety was still Absolutely. a huge part through all of this um, from you know the COVID related. And unfortunately we did have COVID deaths. Um, and I feel for every family member and the co-workers where that, that happened. But for as many employees that we have, I think as a company, we embrace that. We embrace it from the leadership team all the way down. And we're going to continue with that no matter what. Because uh, COVID isn't over. If it isn't COVID, it's going to be something else. And I think, you know, we have really changed and we think about that. And it's getting the employees involved. And what Nick has said about, you know, it really takes the employees to tell us and have so having the employees have the ability to know that they can speak up and tell us things that aren't right is a is a blessing and that really helped us i think through covid and i think those right. are things that we'll maintain throughout absolutely absolutely and i think nick would also agree and uh, what would you like to well say obviously pa the pandemic uh has required us to work differently right and Many of us traditionalists uh, were hesitant with regards to some of the technology that was pushed out in front of us 
hey, use Microsoft Teams to now communicate with your people in lieu of face-to-face, right? But, but after, <laughs> after, a period of, uh, after a period of a month, uh, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, you start seeing the benefits of, of technology, right? And the ability for someone like me that has a global responsibility to um, put a meeting notice or a meeting invite together and reach out and, and, and be able to uh, visibly see someone from across the globe that in the past, you, you would require an eight-hour flight, 12-hour flight. You're wore out. You get there, and, you, and you're putting your best face on that you can yeah. with regards to that meeting, you know, from the jet lag and the fatigue. But now you can just reach out. You can make yourself available to, uh, you know, uh, office, entire office buildings with regards to uh, doing a safety moment or, you know, just expressing your gratitude for what they've achieved. Um, you know, I, I just think Microsoft Teams is something that uh, has changed. It's a game changer, right? It's a game changer with regards to what we've been able to leverage with regards to training, uh, virtual meetings. Um, my my HSSE team, my corporate team, it's a very small team. I've always been very proud of them with regards to what they've been able to achieve. But what's also been achieved over the last, you know, 13, 14 months with COVID and, and, and them getting out in front of people all over the world with regards to their specialties. Uh, you know, we've got specialty right. subject matter experts within my group that now they do every quarter, they do something specific to their specialty. And we have hundreds of people that get on these virtual meetings and, and learn about what we talk about reach back as far as reach back within the KBR organization that the resources are there from ergonomics to industrial hygiene to, to nurse practitioners and all this type stuff that we have. Yes. that used to people didn't have a face with the uh, with the name now they do and uh it's just created a great environment with regards to leveraging our resources and making it available to people all over the world I agree 100 <laughs> percent. yeah that's such a positive um you know uh, development that's come out of it and um so, I mean, uh, moving on to the next question, Ella, that I have for you is about gender uh, parity. Uh, we've seen that across industries, there's more and more discussion around the importance of parity between men and women. So could you uh, speak about your experience, um, both the opportunities as uh, well as perhaps some challenges that you faced and um, enlighten our uh, listeners? Sure. So, so, you know, I think it's something that we have to work on all the time and we have to make sure that we're including all. And I think that's where sometimes we, we don't do a good job. As an example, you might set up an interview panel. Well, does the interview panel look just like you? All females or all males, all white males. So you have to have that diversity that matches, you know, and we have to consciously think about those things. 
And then, you know, I've been working with our HR um, recruiters to say, well, if you're recruiting from the same pool over and over, you're not getting the diversity that we need. So we're looking at where do we recruit, how do we recruit, and, you know, having um, more blue-collar workforce, it is difficult. Uh, not all females have gone into the mechanical fields like me. I was an aerospace ground equipment mechanic, as you mentioned, uh, in the Air Force. Uh, that's kind of unique, even still today. Um, but we have to we have to find where we can make the uh, changes. As an example, I had uh, a, a young woman that was my secretary for a while. Well, now she's an operations mm -hmm. manager because of her potential. Okay. You know, people right. may have saw her just as an admin, but that yeah. she has all kinds of potential. And so she, now she's an opera doesn't work for me anymore. Works in my business, <laughs> but doesn't work for me directly because she's done so well. And, you know, everybody fights over her. But, you know, now she's got a young family. And so we have to adapt to that also. And I think as a company, yes. we're doing those because as a young family and her husband's got a new job and they're moving, but you don't want to lose that skill set. So what do you need to do to adapt to that? Maybe she needs to go on, um, you know, temporary or part-time work for a few months while they get adjusted and then she'll be back full-time. So I think those are things that we haven't done in the past to help diversify the workforce, but we're talking mm -hmm. about those now, steward all yes. the way down, all of us. So you have to give room for those things to happen and you have to continually work at it. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think I've always worked in a field where I'm, I can be in the room and I can be the only female in the room, which is, sure. that's okay. But you got, then I have to look around and say, okay, how come I haven't done as good a job as maybe others of making sure that I'm building the base of diversity? Um, so we're trying now to make that just a normal language that we got to build that base of diversity. So we have lots to pick from and include. And I think that that's been some of the things and changing attitudes um, that it, it, it really means that we're going to look at all and pick the best um, for promotions and those kind of things, but give uh, room for everybody to grow. Right, right. Which brings us to our uh the last question, which is like a serious question before we move on to the fun questions. We have a rapid fire round for you too. Oh, you didn't tell us that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, for Nick, um, you know, Nick, you are like a champion at KBR for fostering the zero harm culture. And um, so I would, I would really want to know from you, um, you know, about how creating uh, cultures and environments of safety um, are become is becoming increasingly important. And how uh, does doing these kind of things help a business? Okay, so that's a that's a great question, and uh, I'll try to focus on a term that I think uh, both of you know, and anybody that listens to the podcast uh, will will uh, this statement will resonate with them. Team of teams. Okay, so if you if you think about yes. that, if you just think about a team, okay, the most effective teams are the ones that every individual contributes in some way. Okay, uh, there's not an individual there that yes. feels isolated. There's not an individual in a team that uh, that doesn't feel like they have a voice. So let's just focus on zero harm at the onset. Okay, one of the initial things that we try to do with Zero Harm was to create platforms where people felt comfortable speaking up. That was Courage to Care Conversations 
and my key stop work authority. So early on, that precedence was tried to, was that was the mission early on, was to create a platform or a workplace that everybody felt comfortable speaking up about, what, safety, right, at one time. Now let's expound a little bit further and move forward to 2021, where we've, we've added an additional nine pillars to the zero harm principles. And that is our sustainability initiative, right? And, and, but the principle Absolutely. of zero harm still applies. If you see something that deviates from your personal standard around any of the nine additional pillars, you have that same premise or that same ability under the zero harm principles to speak up. And what I will tell you, okay, this is huge if people embrace it. The opportunity that people have to make an impact within KBR is probably, you know, it, it, it's probably something that the, it's not comparable to any peer company out there because we've embraced what we did within Zero Harm around safety, which is really easy to speak to. You know, it's right or it's wrong. Do the right thing. But now when you expand that same principle to things that create an overarching culture of so many elements that consist within a company our size, um, look, it's huge, right? You know, uh, look, I can talk about direct and indirect costs and all that type stuff, but look, it's really about doing the right thing every day and being genuinely passionate about it and... What I really feel comfortable, I used to say, hey, look, there's three messages in the Zero Harm logo that one of them three messages will resonate with you. Well, look, now Zero Harm expands to 10 pillars. And let me tell you, something's got to resonate with you within 10 pillars, okay? All right? I still want you to resonate within one of the three HSSE things, okay? I still want you to embrace that. But look, there are so many opportunities for people to get passionate about the principles of zero harm and really drive the culture within KBR. Mm-hmm. And that's what's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Now coming to our oh, rapid okay. fire round. <laughs> We're ready. Okay. <laughs> this is the fun part. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So you you could answer this in one word. Aisle seat or window? Aisle. Me too. I'm also an aisle person. What are you binge watching right now? Startup. Queen's Gambit. And um, your first day of work was in a word, Ella. Hard. Exciting. When you are not working, you are? Reading. Uh, chasing kids around and what I mean by that uh, they've got something going on you know they've got some kind of event somewhere you know you de-stress by Ella gardening playing golf that stresses me out I don't know I can't imagine every time I pick up a golf club I'm being stressed it's the opposite I've learned to not take it seriously Ella there you go and the last one. So one thing that nobody at KBR knows about you is? Uh, I worked in a lumber mill. And Nick? Uh, you know, I'm a, 
I, I, I'm an immigrant, you know. Uh, you couldn't tell that from my Texas draw. Actually, my family moved uh, moved to the States when I was three um, from Greece. And, uh, you know, if you, if you talk to me, you would never think that I'm a Greek, right, with this Texas draw. So, uh, yeah, so uh, that's a lot of people don't, don't realize that. I was a green card-carrying person at one time. Yes, no problem. Awesome. Awesome. I think you both have been so good. I mean, I have really, really enjoyed chatting with both of you. And thank you so much for taking uh, your time out. Thanks for, for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Lumna, that was an incredible interview. That was awesome. Thank you, John. Really, really well done. And a lot of really interesting information as you know as you were saying not just for kbr employees but you know things that can be taken away for people all over the world no matter what your industry absolutely it was a brilliant interview to listen to i think it was especially interesting the fact that hse goes so much further and it's more in depth than we actually realize you know ella talking about being on site as an employee and if you're perhaps in the defense industry um, and from a security perspective you can't wear a fitbit because it tracks your location that's just not something that day-to-day -day people would even think about and the fact that we have to be thinking of, it's so mind-blowing mind -blowing. think about all these things and yeah come up against stuff that's probably never come up against before i hope you enjoyed listening to the interview as much as i did doing it until next time Stay healthy and stay safe. Thank Thanks you. so much.